and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got Catherine Clark with me again, and we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. So, hello, Catherine. Hi, Kevin. Hi. You are the real Catherine, aren't you, and not an imposter of Catherine? No, I'm definitely the real Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Catherine, I suppose the first question that comes to my mind is, what is imposter syndrome? Yeah, so imposter syndrome is, uh, well, at its simplest form, you feel like an imposter. Um, so you may sort of be in a role, let, let's just say you've got to the role that you've wanted um, in an organisation, and but you're sitting there actually feeling like you don't deserve it. So it actually sort of manifests in feelings of, I don't really deserve this. I'm not worthy of this position. Um, it's, it's a lot of self-doubt attached to feeling like an imposter. And you yeah. quite often associate it with getting somewhere by luck. Um, or maybe you've just worked hard. Um, maybe you've sort of got on with people and they've given you the role somehow. So rather than thinking about the work that you've put in, the hard work that you've put in over the years, you actually have some doubt over your own intelligence, your skills, and sometimes your competence. Mm, yeah, I get that. I, I, I'd say in my experience, 90% of roles, certainly senior roles, seem to come from knowing somebody, having a network, having the right connections, and you suddenly do end up with this role. So I, I can see that how it might feel like an element of luck. Yeah. But is it necessarily because you did build yourself up into that position of being able to get luck? Yeah, so no, it's not luck. And I think this is what I want to go on to try and explain today. It's definitely not luck. Um, you know, you may have taken, had good choices, taken a good path, but it's definitely coming from your own success. And you do deserve to be in the place that you are going to be in. Um, and you can repeat your past successes. The issue mm -hmm. with imposter syndrome is you start to doubt that you can replicate that success you may have seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Mind you, I, I remember a quote from the famous old South African golfer, Gary Player, who, who used to say, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Yes. And, and I'm going to go on to explain later how practicing something in particular is going to make a big difference to sort of how you feel with imposter syndrome. And um, it's definitely, for me, a problem that's actually worth solving uh, and worth sharing as well, because I think the more we share how we feel in life in general, then actually the better things become, because it starts to normalise the position. And you realise that actually the majority of people do have some form of imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think there's some statistics which show is the majority of people at some point in their lives do feel like an imposter. So it is actually quite normal to feel this way. Yeah, and I, I get that. And the more that I look at any area of personal development, the more I discover that what I thought was my problem seems to be a problem shared by 75% of the population. Yeah. So I, I think that that idea of talking about it and normalizing it, I, I, I really, really do get that. Yeah. But I suppose the question, Catherine, is, so how normal is imposter syndrome? How many people suffer from it? I mean, there is some research which shows around 70% of people have imposter syndrome at some point in their lives. So it's very widespread. And that's everyone, men, women, any, anyone. Um, it's not sort of actually sort of confined to a particular gender. Um, mm. 
that there is some evidence that it can hold more women back. Women maybe generally are less confident at times, so it can hold women back more, but it is actually something that's, in, that's suffered by everyone. And I, I, you know, I look at it as, you know, feeling like an imposter is a real drain on your emotional energy. Mm-hmm. And those feelings yep. of, you know, I'm not good enough, really have a, a negative impact on your emotional energy. And just think about the impact then that goes on to have in terms of how you wish to show up um, on your confidence, on your productivity, on your motivation, and actually your influence as well. And, and really, to sum it up, it reduces the potential that you have <laughs> to be the yeah. best that you can be in work and yeah. in life. Yeah. So we're, we're talking CFOs. So in particular, is there anything about becoming a CFO that would make you more vulnerable to imposter syndrome? I'm not sure it makes you more vulnerable. I think it can affect anyone in any role in life. But as a CFO, and particularly as maybe you step up into a board role, it's such a different dynamic in in a a board environment that you can feel like an imposter joining a new environment. Because quite often what's connected to it is stepping out of your comfort zone. Mm. But this is where when I talk about normalization or even ironically the upside or, or, or the, the upside of imposter syndrome, you do have to in life have a degree of uh, fear um, and stepping out of your comfort zone to make you grow. Yeah, there is a very useful side to imposter syndrome, which is that sort of self-doubt um, gives you the... Um, it, it makes you move forward, yeah. But with a bit of humility, so you don't over, <laughs> you almost don't overcommit to things you may not be ready for. Absolutely, yes. It yes. keeps you at the right level. Um, but certainly, when you step into a new environment, you're going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to be something new. But that learning opportunity that comes from that fear and that stepping out of your comfort zone is actually very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah, absolutely get that. Um, I suppose when when you're moving into that CFO role, you've you've become very comfortable with a role in finance. You're maybe financial controller, you may be head of finance, you know, you're doing the accounting stuff that you've spent all your career building yeah. up. The management accounts go out every month. Yeah. There's that that kind of drumbeat that's going on that becomes a little bit like clockwork. You're comfortable about it. You've got a load of confidence. Then suddenly you're CFO. Somebody else is doing that stuff. Yeah. You've got to know about the finances, but you've suddenly got to know about talking to customers, talking to investors, talking business strategy, talking cost reduction, maybe managing another function in the team, in the, in the business that you've, not got experience i know a lot of cfos manage the procurement function or the hr function Mm. but there are a lot of places that you're not just stepping out of your comfort zone in one area perhaps you could be stepping out of your comfort zone in half a dozen yeah most definitely Uh, (laughs) yeah most definitely i mean it's all sort of new experience it's all it's all a new perspective on you know how you're operating within that business and um and it you know, that sort of, I, and I think imposter syndrome is attached to that underlying fear of I'm going to be found out. Um, yeah. I'm going to be found out that I'm not really good enough to do all these and look after all these functions. 
Yeah. And you start to forget what you are bringing to that um, to that responsibility. Yeah. Well, I, I still expect a letter dropping through the letterbox any day from the Institute of Chartered Accountants saying, oh, Mr. Appleby, we've, we've been reviewing your exam results. We're sorry, but you never actually passed your final exams. Uh, because I remember walking out of that corporate, the, the tax paper in the finals and knowing that out of 100 marks and 25 marks were down to the corporation tax question. And I know if everything I put down on that for that question was right, I'd have got probably a maximum of three marks. So to this day, I still don't know how I passed that tax exam. So I'm, I'm in constant fear of, sorry, but you never actually qualified. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny as well, because even if we have those feelings, you know, quite often from the past, um, and that sort of belief system comes almost into the present moment. Um, and we need to let go of some of that from the past, because yeah, that is the past. Since then, we've achieved much success. You know, yeah. all of us have worked hard and beyond that. Um, but it's amazing how many people still look back and have that element, those elements of self-doubt from something that happened before. Mm. And they're still carrying it with them sort of now into the present moment um, and into how they think now. And it isn't just the example you've shared. Um, you know, imposter syndrome can arise from a number of things before whether that be social conditioning you know very self-critical thinking even sort of family patterning as well mm, yeah what were we People how like, were we brought up and what were we yeah. told when we were younger and going through early careers and how has that impacted how we feel now people like us don't do those sorts of jobs that could be a family conditioning one yeah. nobody in this family has ever been on a board of directors <laughs> yeah 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 we're the workers not the managers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it, and it's, it's, it's variants of that that sort of thing i guess yeah and it's not it's not necessarily intentional behavior at all it will probably be coming from values and beliefs from a generation even before that yeah. um you know do you give people praise do you not give people praise you know you know what what do you believe about sort of maybe pushing people forward or keeping them slightly more humble it's a, a delicate balance yeah. um and one that's really quite personal to everyone. Yeah, I know the worst piece of career advice I ever got from my dad, who was a, a chartered accountant in practice, was never give to a member of staff something you can't do yourself. Mm. I realised later on that, no, this is absolute rubbish. I'm giving it to somebody else now because I can't do it. I can't possibly be expected to know everything. And I think yeah. for a long time, I did carry that because I, I loved and respected my dad and got a lot of advice from him. Mm. And I always thought in along those lines that, well, yeah, before you pass anything on to somebody else, or before you can get promoted to that next level, you've got to know how to do everything. Mm. And actually, it's, it's really a load of rubbish. Yeah. And in, in relation to CFOs or, or you know, senior finance um, professionals, you know, sometimes it can stem from the type of qualification you received. Um, you know, are some better perceived in the market than others? Um, and, and that sort of stays with people as well. And also the environments they may have worked in. Um, if an environment actually encourages self-doubt, and I'm sure we've all worked <laughs> in some of those environments, mm -hmm that can also impact how we feel personally and what we believe we can achieve. Yeah, yeah. I remember working for a, 
a newly promoted partner in a consulting practice and uh, she was she was extremely good and she was almost in a position where being female she had to be better than her male equivalents to get the promotion in the first place but the partnership had a system of fines if you got certain things wrong or whatever and she was absolutely paranoid about putting a foot wrong yeah mm. Well, well, that's actually a trait that's quite often shows up in imposter syndrome is perfectionism. Yeah. And, you know, many of us are high achievers, you know, particularly if you're going to get to CFO, you're going to have, (laughs) you're going to be a naturally a high achiever. Yeah. And quite often have those perfectionist tendencies. Mm. And it's about looking at the positive sides of perfectionism, which are, you know, maintaining our high standards, Mm. but getting rid of the shame about things not being good enough. Yeah. And trying to get much more into a, you know, I am happy with this and, you know, it it is good enough. Yeah, and and actually that that, that phrase, good enough is good enough, is something that I found very difficult to learn. Having come out of that consulting environment where you do a piece of work, it gets reviewed, Mm -hmm. you go and change it, it gets reviewed again, and you Mm -hmm. end up polishing and polishing it before you ever let it anywhere near the client. You've Mm -hmm. suddenly got to learn, actually, no, there's too much to do here. If it's 90% right, that's good enough. Because yeah. that other 10% actually isn't going to make any difference to the decision we make. Yeah. And also those environments do create a lot of competition in a way amongst peer groups. And, you know, that can, that can be healthy. It can push you forward. But it can also get you to compare yourself too much to other people mm. rather than looking at what strengths you bring yourself. Yeah. I think one one bit of advice that I, I got that was really good at one stage is that in whatever single skill you look at, Kevin, you'll always find somebody who's better than you. Mm. What you yep. bring, though, is the package of the whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That is right. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, so, so what this is all sort of coming round to, it, it starts really with our thoughts. So, you know, when we're looking at how we move forward with imposter syndrome, it actually starts with a self-awareness. So when you're, mm-hmm. for example, bringing up some of those examples from the past, um, and I've done it for myself as well, when you start to actually be aware of the thoughts you're having now, we can start moving forward. So, so really, <laughs> if I was to start with the answer here, it yeah. is about you can change how you think. Right. Really okay. the crux okay. of it. So, um, <laughs> so what, what you're saying there is that we can help ourselves in this. We don't need to necessarily reach out for to, to be helped by others. Oh, well, I think I personally think it's both. Right. Okay. Um, because quite often we can't necessarily look, look objectively at our own thinking patterns. Yes. Very. So if we're, if we're actually working with someone who I would term a supporter, So that could be your family, it could be your friends, um, and obviously it could be a mentor or a coach. Um, Then that other person can really help you identify and sort of uh, actually understand some of those thoughts that you're having. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes that, yeah, you're, you're the last person to see the blinding obvious in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's correct. Um, And it really starts with, um, you know, reflecting sometimes on what emotions, quite often an emotion will show itself before you realize what thought is behind it. Yeah. So with imposter syndrome, it could be that you could really feel an anxiety 
emerge I mean let's take a scenario um, you know you're going into important meeting that could be a new board meeting it could be an executive meeting doesn't really matter it's, you know something important um, and you're sitting there and you start to feel a bit anxious and then if you reflect on what thought is behind that you're thinking well I'm not as good as the other people in this room you know why am I here <laughs> why do I deserve to be here and what I think you'll then notice is that those emotions and those thoughts actually affect our bodily sensations. Right. So we could feel like nervous, you know, butterflies in our stomach. Um, yeah, that a lot. Could, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could find our heart beating faster. Yeah. We may get sort of nervous and embarrassed if someone asks us a question. So then you can start seeing, well, hang on a minute, how is this actually affecting what I'm doing? then it has normally a direct impact on your behavior. So you've basically got your thoughts, your emotions, your bodily sensations, and then your behaviors. Yep. And with all of that combined, if you're sitting in an important meeting, the last thing that you're probably going to do is speak up. Yep. And you know, I've had my own situations in the past where those sort of thoughts have come together. And then I really haven't sort of expressed myself in the way I would like to in a meeting. Mm -hmm. you know maybe not ask the right questions express concerns I have and as a CFO in particular you've got to be in that role um, as well as being a support <laughs> um, to that board you're also in a challenging role and if you're feeling if you're not feeling able to challenge adequately then arguably you're not doing your role to the fullest it could be Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally get that. And I think I've been in that position myself of sitting there and then you, you leave the meeting and think, why didn't I say that? Why didn't I ask that question? No? Yeah. And it quite often stems from not believing enough in what you're bringing to that meeting and yeah. not feeling deserving enough to actually be there in the first place. So, so say, let's call that thought, you know, I'm not as good as my colleagues in this meeting. If you term that a, an automatic, it's like an automatic negative thought. Mm -hmm. Yes. And normally that's arising from some of our core beliefs and assumptions in life, which is what we started talking about a few minutes Indeed ago. We did, yes. So my question really within the session is, well, how do we reframe these thoughts? Because I think when you can reframe those thoughts, it's clearly not a helpful thought to think I'm not as good as anyone else in here. So, okay. So how exactly do you reframe that thought? <laughs> so, okay, so there's, there's different. I, I'm going to go through a little exercise as well, which um, okay. I know we're not going to have any interaction per se, but you and I could do it together maybe. Um, but the starting point is to catch our thoughts. So okay. to really acknowledge what we're feeling and why, and mm -hmm. to catch those thoughts as they come through. Now, outside of a meeting scenario, we could use something like meditation or something as an objective way of just, you know, reviewing our thought patterns. Yep. Um, but you're not going to sit there and meditate in a meeting. So that's something yeah. you can do outside of that <laughs> to sort well, of observe. You, you probably get something thrown at you because somebody at the front would think you've fallen asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so, so really fundamentally, we can choose to react to our thoughts in a different way. And I'm not going to lie, it does take effort. And there's going to be a daily practice here um, because we all get into certain habits and ways of uh, reacting to certain situations. Um, but we can change our belief system to something new. Right. And um, 
what what I what I want to encourage people to do is to actually find their confidence sort of through courage mm-hmm. and the courage to actually be imperfect, <laughs> which slightly goes against the perfectionism tendency we all have. Yeah, yeah. So can give give me a practical example of how I change my beliefs. Well, no, the beliefs, so the beliefs are learned, so therefore they can be changed. They're definitely not a fact. And I think that's the first point. A belief is not a fact. It is is something that we've learned. Yes. So fundamentally, we can change what we've learned. Um, And I'm not saying we can sit here today and actually change your beliefs. I I want to focus more on changing your thoughts first. Mm. And then we could always look back and see what beliefs are underlying that unhelpful thought pattern or the unhelpful automatic thought pattern Mm -hmm. because fundamentally you can change your neural network so we could actually retrain our brains to think in a different way but that's where the daily habit comes into play we have to look at our mind as a muscle and something we have to almost exercise every day into a better place now funny by pure coincidence i've been and still am reading a brilliant book on just that subject about changing habits and if anybody wants to pick it up atomic habits by james clear i would totally recommend i'll stick a link in the show notes but it covers all of this stuff how do you get rid of a, a bad habit and replace it with a positive habit yeah. And the thing is, those habits are going to be, I mean, we're going to think about a thinking habit, but in, in general, habits can be, um, they can take up to sort of 21 days to change. So that's why I'm saying it's not an overnight process, um, but we should all be looking at habits that support not only our positive mental health, but also our positive physical health. And the two together will come together and increase our emotional energy as well, which is fundamental for then changing your thinking pattern. Mm. Mm. Because we've all all got to get into the most positive place we can. <laughs> um, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah. and with habits that support us more generally in life. So you know, it could be anything you choose, but you know, making sure you go for a daily walk or read daily or, or whatever suits you really at the time. But um, breaking those bad habits so we can form new ones. Yeah, I think it's easier in my experience, to think about what are the new habits I want to create rather than what are the unhelpful habits I want to lose? Yeah, because actually when, when we talk about losing something, it actually has an, it's actually ironically a negative impact on how we approach it. Yes. It's better to look at what you're wanting to achieve and how you're wanting to feel. That's much easier to achieve. Yeah. I think one of the best areas of habit to start thinking about is how does your day start? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 a morning routine is, I believe, what sets people up for, can be for a fantastic day ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing um, that I, I get into the habit of using for that, Catherine, is something called five minute journal. And it makes you sit down to start off with, it says, write down three things you're grateful for yeah yeah um then it says write down three things that'll make today a great day 
Now, the temptation when you start writing those down is a to-do list, but it's it's not asking for a to-do list. It's not asking for a list of things you're physically mm-hmm. going to do. It's asking for a more a list of what are the approaches you're going to take to feel good yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that is a large part of it. What am I going to do today to make me feel really happy? Yeah, actually, I couldn't agree more. I think a gratitude practice is an amazing start to the day because it really sets your mind into a place of, you know, this day is full of opportunity. Mm. And it then, starts you off in a happier place, really. And, um, you know, yeah. I, do, I do the same and I do a bit of yoga, I do a bit of meditation and, and journaling as well. And mm. I was going to go on to say how much journaling or writing is, a, is, a, is an amazing way of, of writing down what you're thinking at a point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Much, absolutely. much better than keeping it actually in your mind is to, yeah. to get it out mm. and write it down. Yeah. And just sitting there with a blank piece of paper and doing something that's called free writing, I find mm-hmm. useful. Yeah. Got a blank piece of paper there and it's what on earth am I going to write? And you get locked into the process of what on earth am I going to write? And that writer's blocks yeah. it. Yeah. Free writing says, just start writing the very first thing that comes into your head, even if it's a pile of rubbish. Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of evidence. Paragraphs later, you'll be writing something sensible. You can always go back and cross out the first two. <laughs> there's a lot of evidence to say you start off by writing, as you say, very much free form, you know, almost getting all any negativity out. Mm-hmm. And then you shift into a sort of gratitude practice and then almost into a positive affirmations um, yeah. where you say... Final thing that, in relation to this topic, you know, I do deserve to be successful. <laughs> that's the final thing the five minute journal gets you doing. Mm. It gets you to write down a list of positive aff- affirmations, which is, yeah. I, I am a top CFO. Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and then uh, this is where the practice comes in. Maybe it's a good time to go through this exercise because that's exactly where the practice comes in. Mm-hmm. You have to get into a place where you believe a new thinking pattern. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, when we're talking about reframing your thoughts, um, so, yeah, it definitely starts with self-awareness. Um, and really, what thoughts are you having? Um, so connecting that with the emotions, as we said, and what behaviours then arise from those thoughts and emotions. And the, the key question at this stage to ask is, you know, what evidence is there to support these thoughts? So when you start to think, you know, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve this, you know, my colleagues are better. Is there really evidence to support the thoughts that you're having? And normally <laughs> um, there may be some evidence, but there's definitely never any over 100 percent. Yeah. So anything less than 100 percent means there's definitely some doubt <laughs> in the evidence supporting that thought. And. let's face it there's the brain has a funny way of thinking oh i don't feel good enough and therefore going out and finding the evidence to support it Mm. um it's a bit like when you're buying a new car and i was looking around about 18 months ago at uh, a new small hatchback a new small uh, suv and I thought, no, I fancy an Audi Q2. Suddenly, every car I saw on the road was an Audi Q2. It was just because my brain was now focusing in on that particular car, and I was noticing them all. So I think it's the same with kind of negative 
evidence. Now, if you feel as though you're not worthy, you'll go and find evidence that you're not worthy. But chances are there's much more evidence that you're not seeing that says you are worthy. Well, that's because our minds do have a negative bias. So you're exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and we have to work hard to shift it into a positive bias. Mm. But just think of the benefits when we can get into that place. I mean, as I say, how much time we waste, um, you know, precious time worrying, you know, arising from those negative thought patterns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, you know, and, and also, I think we all know this as well, we're, we're generally our own worst critic. Of course we are. Yeah. You know, so, you know, positive self-talk to ourselves. You know, like if I was, I, w- I wouldn't talk to you in the way I sometimes talk to myself and probably likewise. Um, so you have to talk to yourself like your own best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I'd be a, a, a definitely a guilty of not talking to myself as my own best friend and be Kevin get a grip of that Kevin <laughs> get on with it you've got to do that or sort that out or whatever and yeah probably give myself less credit than I deserve yeah. definitely yeah. yeah yeah and um so there is a little exercise um which on, you've been talking, and, you've um, talking about this exercise for it for ages <laughs> Well, we set this. We've set the I think perhaps I should, should end the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean uh, it's called the thought ladder. It's just a yeah. step forward in terms of thinking differently. Um, now, it may not work with you because I know you may or may not feel like an imposter, but I've got some examples, if not anyway. So, um, yeah. you know, it's about starting off by thinking about your current most prominent thought in relation to imposter syndrome. So if, if you were sitting there and thinking, what's really bothering me at the moment, um, what would it be? And you can either answer that, or I can give you an example I've already come up with. But <laughs> um, No, you better give me an answer. <laughs> um, so, so there, an example... there, is one, there is one coming into my mind, Catherine, but it's not one I want to share on the podcast. <laughs> I think one that commonly comes up with a lot of my mentoring clients as well, and and I've had it for myself in the past, is I am not as good as my colleagues. So a bit like the example I mentioned earlier is finding yourself in a group scenario. um, You should be there as an equal person, as a peer to that group. But for some reason, you're just not feeling as good. Mm. And you look around and you think "Mm, they're more confident. Um, They know more than I do. You know, they're sharing something more interesting. I can actually link into that one fairly well. And I I became, uh, two or three years ago, I became a non-exec director of an organisation. And I was there in the board meeting for the first time. And the board was in an area that I didn't have a huge amount of experience in, but that wasn't why I was there. I was bringing something completely different to it. So I I very definitely felt way out of my depth sitting in a room full of educationalists, let's say, rather than than, um, managers and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect examples, really. I think we're saying a similar thing, but so that current thought can become quite dominant really in your thinking process. Um, And we shared earlier sort of just what impact that can then have on your behavior in that environment. Um, You're you're unlikely to be fully yourself in that environment where you should be yourself and should be contributing equally. 
So the next question or the next step on the ladder is to consider an alternative thought, <laughs> but one that you wish you could believe about yourself. So right. some, a bit visionary in a way, you're not there yet and you may not be there for a little while, but you know, how would you feel at your absolute best? Um, now, my example here is, you know, I am intelligent enough to su succeed in whatever I choose to do. Yep. I can do anything. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you'd add anything to that one or not, but it's quite a big sort of, yeah, I can do anything I want to do. Yeah. Um, you've got to add a touch of realism to that. Yes. 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 I am never going to play centre forward for England. I know that for a fact, <laughs> but I just have not got that ability. So, yeah, I can do anything with within reason. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a good thing to add on the end. Yeah. Because as you say, we, we can't do literally anything we want in life, but because uh, there, there is a there is a, a capability side to I, I, I always fancy being a professional golfer, actually, but nobody with a 24 handicap was ever going to turn professional, were they? <laughs> <laughs> Mine's worse than that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um but i think the but the good thing is that in the middle there's what we call like middle steps middle yeah. steps and it's about thinking of two or three thoughts that are empowering next thoughts so they're more positive than your current thought mm. and they're ones that are going to step you forward because i think in any in any kind of habit changing we're looking at one step at a time forward you're never going to jump from the current thought to the alternative thought you know, in a, in a very short time frame. So it's about thinking what realistically can I think next that's more positive and more empowering that moves me in that direction. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, it's, you know, I still have lots to learn, but I'm enthusiastic and willing and I bring a fresh perspective. Yeah. You know, I have accomplished many things. You know, I have equivalent skills to my colleagues. Yes. You've probably accomplished things that they haven't. Yes. They won't because you've got a, a different mix of skills to them. Yeah. 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 And so it's about looking at what's personal to you, but you know, what takes you that next step forward? And, yeah. um, and I know, and it's true what you said, you know, when you reflect on these thoughts, you've got to believe them. You've actually got to believe them. Yeah, that's a key part of this exercise. It's not just sort of creating wishy-washy sentences. Um, mm. It's very personal to you and, and how you want to feel by the end. What about visualisation? It's something that I'd use if I'm making a, a major presentation to a, well, I'd say a client, but it's I'm making a major presentation to the board. And I think I, I did a, a finance transformation project a few years ago on a, a coal-fired power station. I yeah. got to the stage, I was very much part of the management team as I was doing this. Yeah. Um, so not quite CFO role, but the finance transformation guy role. And I remember thinking, well, we've got to get, we've got to get this discussion out in the open. And I was putting it together and thinking, as I was putting each slide together, I was almost thinking about, okay, I present that, I'm, visu I'm visualizing what each member of the board are gonna say about that, knowing, sort of almost put myself in the shoes of each of those people. What are they gonna say? What are they gonna do? How do they think? Um, I don't know, that was the way that I built up a load of confidence for that particular one. 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great I think that's a great way of doing it because you have ultimately got to show up how others need you to show up as well. Yeah. When you're thinking of a CFO role, um, in some ways you haven't <laughs> you almost haven't got the time to practice. Um, mm. And and that's not maybe how we feel inside. I think this is the gap with imposter syndrome. How you perceive yourself is very different even to how other people perceive you. Yeah. That that gap is is what really causes it. Um, so there is a combination of, I love this sort of visualization because I think you, you can visualize how you wish to show up in a particular scenario and how it can be delivered. Um, and there's also the analogy around sort of fake it till you make it. Um, I, I'm not in any way sort of suggesting people shouldn't be themselves. Um, you know, you've got to be authentic, um, but there is a degree of acting in that way that you're trying to get to yeah. And almost testing out how that works in practice. Yes. Um, yeah. I think fake it till you make it something that generally I'd certainly I, I've used with coaching clients, but a little bit more in the context of, well, okay, you're trying to create this business. You're only a hundred K business at the moment, but look, you can't think like a hundred K business. You're not there yet, but you've got to think about you've got to think like that million pound business you want to become. Yeah. Um, you've, you've got to make decisions as if you were there already. Yeah. Um, and it does help you project the confidence I think you need, because if you can almost put yourself into that persona of um, that other person, or as you say, a larger business, then you can actually project and build confidence that way. Mm. Yeah. And it helps you to start believing in that thinking process and look at the impact I can have if I can project that level of confidence. Is it is it worth, Catherine, having a role model in your mind and kind of thinking, oh, what would that particular person do in this situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I always believe in observation and role modeling and, you know, sort of looking at some of the behaviors you may wish to emulate yourself. Um, not all, <laughs> definitely not all, but, um, you know, looking around and observing people and thinking, yeah, you know, they're doing that really well. You know, mm -hmm. how over time could I learn to be more that way? Um, you know, even getting their support to, to, on that journey, on your own growth journey as well. Yeah. Because it, it is all about a growth mindset as well. And actually, you know, learning those lessons along the way and trying things out. You know, if we, if we are in a two, a fixed mindset, just focusing on the outcome all the time, we lose all that ability to sort of enjoy that journey. Mm. Mm. And really just try things out and back to that slightly, you know, not, not so perfect. Um, just learn and, and try different things out and see what works the best. And that's again something that I, I've learned over the last few years is is enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. It's not just about the destination. Yeah. You know, a lot of us have those thoughts, it'll be fine when. It'll be fine when we've got past this meeting. It'll be fine when we've got mm. that extra bit of growth. Well, actually, no, you've got to reframe your mindset and think, well, no, it's about the th the things that are happening on a day-to-day -day basis, it's about the things we're going through every day. Enjoy that. Yes, the, the end will come, but no, enjoy the process now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and particularly in relation to imposter syndrome, just achieving the next goal and the next outcome is not what um, gets rid of that feeling. Mm -hmm. 
it's about a, a deep self-worthiness, <laughs> um, not just achieving the goal, which is why enjoying the journey is so, so important. And actually along that journey, celebrating your own successes along the way. You know, it's not something we've always been encouraged to do, but we should celebrate any little success along that path. Yeah, yeah. And I think understand your own strengths with that one as well. I mean, one of one of my strengths, and I love one thing I love is Strengths Finder 2.0. Yeah. That tells me that one of my strengths is achiever. Mm. But generally, that means that I achieve something, tick, bang, what's the next thing to achieve? Mm-hmm. And I forget about going back and actually celebrating what's done. Yeah, yeah. I use the same book, actually, with my mentoring clients. Mm. I just think it's a really good starting position with mentoring um, to understand. This is for the mentee, but to really understand their strengths and start to build that value in themselves. Yeah. Because I find that that sort of profile of strengths and and values um, really gets them to see themselves as an asset, not just for themselves, but to their organizations. And, And that's a starting point for me for building enough confidence in, in what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, and that's the thing I like about Strengths Finder as well, and this really does link into imposter syndrome, that an awful lot of time we're looking in terms of our personal development at, at weaknesses. Yeah. And it's somebody telling us we're weak at something, somebody telling us we ought to sort something out. Well, I've come to the conclusion over years that, well, yeah, you can go and develop your weaknesses, but no. If you're poor at something, what's the best you're going to do through developing? Maybe become average. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Find somebody else to do the stuff that you're no good at. Work out what your strengths are and spend your development time becoming really good at the areas you're strong in. Yeah. 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 And of course, your thoughts alongside that are just so important. And, um, you know, if we're just sort of closing out that exercise, it's about, you know, thinking about those new thoughts you want to have alongside that and, and, you know, making them really prominent. So, you know, you've done your strengths testing, you've done looked at your sort of what value you bring, and then you're looking at your new thoughts and, you know, make them really prominent. You can put them as an alarm on your phone, for example, to pop up at a certain time every day or, um, you know, pin them to a wall where you can see them. But to really keep um, just throwing all this positivity, in a sense, at yourself. Yeah. You know, Catherine, I can feel another podcast coming on here talking about <laughs> <strengths and> values. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we could talk for hours on many of these topics. We could. We could, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> so- you asked, but you asked me a question earlier, and I, and I do I just want to sort of address it. But, you know, when you're talking about beliefs. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's an... An old belief, and I've got an example really of an old belief that you may have in relation to imposter syndrome. And, um, you know, for example, if I am lucky, then I will get the role I want. Now, that doesn't really show how much hard work is going into anything that you're achieving mm. in life. You're, you know, you're assuming it's down to luck. Um, and, you know, a new belief could be if I work with the best intentions, then I am worthy of success. Yes. And it's nice to frame them if with an if to start and then a then. Yes. To frame your sentences on that basis. And what you then do is you look at your old belief. And this is I know you did give me an example earlier um, and look at the advantages and disadvantages of believing that. 
And your goal is to retain the advantages of the old belief <laughs> and minimize the disadvantages. Yes. And, and often what we find, I did this exercise yesterday myself, and, um, and of, often the disadvantages do outweigh the advantages, um, which then creates our motivation for change. And, yep. and this is why working with someone is so important because um, sometimes we haven't even connected our thinking pattern to our older beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then just thinking objectively, what are the pluses and minuses of, of still believing that? Yeah. So working with somebody and Catherine, you're, you're a mentor. So how, how would you take somebody through this stuff as a mentor? What's, what's the process? I mean, truthfully, I start by listening. So the mentoring process does start off with, you know, what, what are the current things that are on your mind? Um, so it could be looking at what they're trying to achieve through the mentoring and then breaking that down into sort of what are the current challenges you're facing and what is your mind actually saying? You know, is it that there's more experience to be gained, knowledge to be learned to get to that future place? Or is something holding you back from getting to that place? And, you know, I, I, I can't give a percentage, but I, I just know from my own experience working with people that it's quite often things in their own mindset are holding them back. Yep. So just by listening, so just by giving people that space to really just talk, um, they, they can just talk and, and, and sort of describe certain situations which I can then uncover quite often at the heart of many of those situations is they just don't feel good enough or confident enough in those positions to be the best they could be in that, in that particular situation. Yeah. And we talked about that a couple of episodes ago on the, the episode with Tony Schaefer. We, we talked an awful lot about procrastinating and a lot of that coming out of that lack of confidence. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, and, and it is about combining your, you know, thinking differently with behaving differently. So when I step back to talking about sort of, you know, courage, confidence comes from courage mm. and taking actions, you know, one step at a time forward. Mm. So there's yeah. definitely an action piece there. You have got to really want to make a change. Um, and, and I mean, I, I personally think, you know, you really should make a change because if these feelings are you know, causing some kind of upset, worry, anxiety, it is definitely, definitely worth um, solving those feelings and trying to move forward from them. Yeah, absolutely. So and if you are feeling in that position at the moment that you, you're, you are feeling imposter syndrome, you want some help to sort it out, what's the next step, Catherine? How does somebody get in touch with you? Yes, I mean, they can get in touch with me through Grow CFO. So, I mean, I'm part of the management team there, one of the, the professional mentors. So, yeah, I can be contacted directly through Grow CFO um, for any members there. Um, and, um, and if not, I have my own website as well. I mean, it's, it's called um, Crystalum. And yep. I'm sure you'll share the information in the podcast. Um, but either way, certainly for CFOs, um, aspiring and first time and even, you know, experienced CFOs come through the Grow CFO route. Um, if anyone is listening to this and they don't fit that category, then I can still help. But that will be coming outside of Grow CFO. 
Yeah, and then there's there's different questions in all three categories. There's okay, I'm here as head of finance. How do I get to be that CFO that I've always wanted to be? Then there's oh, I am CFO. Oh, what about all this new stuff? I never learned to learn to pass my exams. Help, I can't mm-hmm. do this. And then there's the experienced CFO. Well, hey, things change. You know, the things that you did 10, 15 years ago to be a CFO probably weren't using the level of technology or so on that we've got around today. Mm-hmm. Natural that you feel out of your depth in some of these things. Yeah. Um, in all of those areas, there's a conversation to be had. Yeah. So I'll put all those links in the show notes. Yeah, Catherine, thank you. It's been a fantastic conversation. Thank you very much for joining us today. No, thank you. I mean, if I can just maybe just leave a sort of final couple of thoughts. Um, I think, you know, imposter syndrome is unlikely to go away completely, but we can definitely lessen it, um, mm. you know, with, with sort of commitment from yourself and ideally with support, it can be lessened. Um and although feelings of self-doubt, as we all know, can creep back in in different scenarios, um, I just don't want it to hold let, hold anyone back from what they're trying to achieve. Um, and, and that's really my sort of final point, really. It's about sort of seeing yourself as others are likely to see you um, and to choose your thoughts, which in conclusion is, you know, I am enough. I think I'd like everyone to go away with the feeling that they are enough. Mm, and there is support out there so you are enough and if you're left with a little bit of imposter syndrome it's possibly no bad thing because it keeps you on your toes and learning new stuff that's right that's right so thank you kevin it's been a really really good session thank you thank you catherine